throughout our life, we make all kinds of connections, from our neighbors to our co-workers, from family members to people we interact with in business every day. What about the connections we make to ourselves? Today, we'll explore the connections that we make and how they define our lives. This is Things Worth Considering with hosts Gord Riddell and Alexia Georgiousis. It's time to consider the possibilities. Hi, good evening, and welcome to Things Worth Considering. I'm your host, Gord Riddell, and I am here with my co-host, Alexia Georgiousis. How are you? I'm well, Gord. How are you doing? I'm well. I'm well. Good. Yeah. Good. Uh, so just so we let everyone know, we are live, and uh, we would love for you to uh, give us a call. Uh, and join in on the conversation if you have a story to share or you have questions about what we're going to be discussing. Uh, and actually, what we're going to talk about is all about listening. Uh, and that's, uh, you know, that's kind of an important one. Uh, most of us are really, actually, really, really bad at it. Uh, so our uh, toll-free number uh, anywhere in North America is one 888 346 That's 888-346-9141. And, uh, you know, I just want to mention a couple of people here because there are a couple of people that are near and dear to me. Uh, we don't spend a lot of time, but we go back like a long long time. So to Mary Louise, it's her birthday tomorrow. Uh, She's in Vancouver and we go back to high school. Wow. Oh yeah. And we had it back then, you know. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And uh, uh, to uh, my friend Kevin, he is in Boston uh, via New York. And uh, he and I go back probably, I don't know, 30 years or more back into the 80s. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Also my nephew, uh, Chad is also his birthday. So we all share birthdays within like a day or so of each other. So are these lots of Leos? We're all Leos. <laughs> We're all Leos. Oh, yeah. There's still a couple more sense, actually, but I'm, not, I'm leaving them out at the moment. <laughs> so it's not, it doesn't sound like it's a birthday show. Uh, right. but <laughs> it sounds kind of funny, but yes, uh, uh, celebrating another one and, you know, uh, getting older. Well, it certainly beats the alternative, you know? It does. It does. It does. I'm, I'm grateful I'm still here. So. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Lots of friends aren't. So, you know, anyway, let's talk about, let's talk about listening because I'm going to be doing a workshop next Wednesday mm-hmm. uh, about listening. And it really is a skill that can change our life if we can learn how to do it. And no one teaches us how to do it. No. You know, no. we don't, we, we, we just yell at kids. Would you listen? <laughs> you know, um, we don't. The, we don't know what that means. You know, the, here's the difference. Hearing is simply an act of perceiving sound. It's your ears. That's it. You know, listening is a conscious choice to actually take in what's being presented. It could mm-hmm. be music. It could be a spoken word. It could be a play, a movie, whatever. But it's a conscious choice to take part in that. Well, and it and it also is something where. As you mentioned, it's this is one aspect of listening with ears, and yeah. you know, and you know, in our culture, you know, we get inundated with sound, and and there's just this plethora of overload, just but noise. The, yeah, and the concept of listening, I think you're right. It's not. It's it's and it's very. Um, it's almost like I, I think I'm very curious as we as we do this show tonight about you know, your concept of listening and when people say, listen to me, like what that means for them. 
you know, right. you're not listening to me. And I think that's where a lot of conflict can arise. You know, one of the a funny um, memory that I have as a child is one of my sisters used to drive my mother crazy by when my mother would be like, you're not listening to me and, and, and you're, you know, look at me. And my sister would intentionally look just off to the side of her <laughs> eyes. So, so we call that passive so, aggressive. <laughs> 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 but it is, it's a very, very, as you said, a hugely important uh, and, and li- a life skill, a hugely essential life skill. That it's can, an essential life skill. That can yeah. change your whole experience of living. Yeah. Providing, you know, you're not hearing impaired, uh, you know, uh, hearing also involves more than just our ears. Uh, I, I think sight plays an important role in hearing. Uh for some reason, I have a great deal of difficulty in not uh, being able to see someone's lips that, that are moving, and they better one. be in sync. If, <laughs> you know, uh, I hate movies where they've gone out of sync. Uh, but then there's also then the other part. So there's three three key elements. One is your ears, your eyes. The other one is your brain, because your brain has to take all of that in, and now it's going to decipher it. It's going to create our perception. Well, and don't you think that there's listening that happens as well, or hearing? I guess we're going to differentiate those, but with the with the physical body, with the sense of the energetic field. Oh, sure, sure, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you know, when you when you look at people who are hearing impaired and their ability to learn how to hear or to dance, and to feel movement and to feel, you know, they they can also be you know sight impaired, hearing impaired, and yet they can still you know, uh, uh, find a rhythm, uh, in, in the energetic field, you mm-hmm. know, um, through well, the floor. Keller, right. Well, yeah, amazing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, there, I mean, what's interesting about senses is that if we're deficient in one, uh, another one will take over for us and it becomes, it becomes highly, highly attuned. So as you, you know, if you lose your hearing or something, or, or it becomes diminished in one, one ear, the other ear will actually take over for it. Uh, yeah, it's incredible how the body will compensate and the the nervous system will adjust. It's like there there'll be a development of knowingness that the nerves have to uh, rebalance and recalibrate. And I think that that is the the miracle of you know being in a physical body, right? There's no question about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that it's ability to compensate. You know, uh, if you if you lose a limb, its ability to compensate and rebalance itself, or you you know have a few toes missing, you, you know you will you will learn a new way to walk. You know, yes. kind of thing with that. Nobody will know kind of uh, right. what is actually going on there. You know, right, right. Um, so uh, we've got the the brain now. The brain gets involved here, and it begins to sort through and interpret everything that's coming in. Some things are things are really nice. Other things, well, not so much. Uh, so there's actually four types of listening. There's appreciative, okay, which would be interesting. Okay. Listening to music, okay. Ah, so the quality, the emotion is appreciation. Yeah, yeah, okay. exactly. Okay. Uh, then we have empathic listening, and that's that's your real emotional listening. That's so, you know when we're listening to someone, we're counseling somebody uh, that. You know, our own emotions are allowed to come up to the surface in order to, you know, create that uh, that bond empathetically. Uh, comprehensive, when we're trying to learn something, and we we're taking in the words and and we we discover from there. Then the other one is critical listening, 
And that is where we're needing to make an assessment of something. Hmm. Okay. So because appreciative yeah, and empathic doesn't have a, you know, can't have judgment associated with it. You know. Right. And, and I think it seems that, you know, my uh, impression of this is that there's also a sense of listening with curiosity and really just an openness, you know, absolutely. an open heartedness. Yes, absolutely. You know, if you're, if you're sitting in there and we've all been there, you've gone to listen to a concert or something or the, you know, the Toronto Symphony and, and they're commenting on it, you know. Like, oh, this is, you know, this is, you know, not good. They didn't bring this up. It should be more this. It's like, wow, you know, why are you here? You know, like, I came here to appreciate the fact that they're available for us to come and listen to, uh, not critique it. I think that that's, you know, when we're always critiquing, not being critical, that's a different function. Mm -hmm. When we're yes. critiquing in a way that is judgmental, I think that's a way for us to remove ourselves. It's, it's hmm. how we keep our emotions at bay and we keep our brain going da, 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 in a very judgmental way that then I don't appreciate. I can't engage with it. Right, right. And, the, and it makes sense because the, you know, if, we, if we identify the brain as the thinking mind, then the thinking mind is constantly looking at solving or at, especially if it's, if it's thinking with the filter that is not just with a, uh, an openness. And I think that if it's thinking with the filter of needing to fix or needing to cr criticize, as you were saying, or judge, then, then you, you, you absolutely aren't engaged with whatever is being presented. No, actually, you know, I mean, there's two ways of listening. There's one I listen to understand. And the other one is, you know, I'm listening to get ready for my next response. And that's probably one of the biggest errors that we have or the problems in, in uh, uh, dialoguing is that before I'm halfway through my sentence, you're already thinking of what your next statement's going to be because we are not okay with pauses in our conversation where you might think, well, this is what was just said and I'm thinking that, uh, and then I pre you know, present it People will think they were perhaps developmentally disabled um, if we have a pause. We're used to bang, 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 bang. And that's how we talk. But that's also, though, made up on us risking not hearing because I've already pulled back on the first three words you said. And I'm like, yeah, but, you know, and, and I mean, that's okay. That can be fun. But not when we're in a situation where we really need to hear what's being said. Yes, and, and I think that, you know, it can be fun when there's a sense of the perception of fun, you know, that there's a banter. I know a lot of people that like that kind of back and forth, and, and it, it, can, it can be, you know, healthy. It's not. And then there are people who just jump in and just cut <laughs> us off like that. <laughs> I know. I love bantering. We're gonna do <laughs> you knew I was going to do that, right? I did. I did. <laughs> you should have turned my mic off. <laughs> exactly. Well, and then in, in, in you know, in indigenous cultures, it, it typically there's a lot of silence and there's a lot of, of intentional, you know, just being with whatever's there. And that's been misinterpreted often, especially when there's not a lot of facial expression. And I think part of with COVID-19, with everybody wearing masks, it's also challenging because we see eyes, but it's amazing to me how much 
is missed without seeing the mouth. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Yeah, uh, I want yeah. to bring that up, you know, with body uh, body language and facial. But, uh, you know, our, our, you know, our rhythm that we think we have in the English language, and I think it's probably true in European languages from my experience being there, you know, is that, um, you know, it's rapid fire. It really is, is very rapid fire, like boom, 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 boom. And uh, I think that's sort of the model that we learned from. I, know, I but, agree with you. And I think it's often unfortunate for people who, who need a pause and they just have to sit with it. It sort of goes back to that, you know, fight, flight or freeze mode that there many people are comfortable with sort of that energy of fight and flight where it's very quick. It's very, it's very, very quick. Yes. And, but people that need more, you know, sense of space or need to actually, they, they maybe process differently that they need that gap and that buffer and it can be misinterpreted when someone doesn't understand that, like, what's wrong with you? Hurry up, hurry up, or whatever it is. You're not responding. And I think that that uh, is a platform of... of you mean uh, when people text you? Disconnect. Oh, pfft. You didn't text respond you. right away. Are you angry at me? Yes. Excuse me? Yeah. You know, I that's think level, that... And that's a whole different level. That's a whole like different I, level, but that's a whole, yeah. that's a whole place that's destroying our ability to, to yeah. communicate. I yeah. agree. I agree. Uh, it's, you know, so... Things that get in the way from us, you know, being able to to be good listeners, in other words, what makes us poor listeners is, you know, just to have a low concentration level. If we're like really, really tired, if we're really hungry, if we really aren't interested, <laughs> if we have a personal bias, uh, it, the person's not speaking loud enough, you know, you're going to lose the listener. They're, they're oh. kind of, you know, there's nothing worse than sitting and listening to a lecture and you can't really hear and you sort of, you know, you start wandering your mind. You know? Well, and sound, yeah. And sound quality right now with everybody being online in so many, you know, with work and, and, and with various webinars and things that are going on, the sound quality is huge. It makes such a difference in terms of, I find if someone's got some wind or background noise or, and you, and you hear a, a, a low voice quality, then yes. I tune out. I just can't listen to it. It's too much work. feels like oh, a lot really? of effort. Really? Yeah, it feels like a lot of work. Yeah. Uh, so, so what you're saying, and so any sort of distraction, whether it's an auditory or a visual, it's kind of like, oh, look, shiny thing. No, I mean, if, if you don't have a great attention span to begin with, anything that will take you away is is what we want, you know. Right, right. We really are absolutely inundated with sound and sight, and it takes a very concerted effort to stay present. But that's what comes back to the difference between hearing and listening, is listening is a conscious decision to take in what the other person is saying. Mm -hmm. in, in whatever capacity. And that's really interesting that you're saying to take it in because I think sometimes there's an expectation that we believe someone will understand us and they may not. And they may not. They may totally disagree with us. They may yeah. not, right? Yeah, yeah. But, the and key it, is what, but then you see that the, most of the time though, then that, that, that comes into another, another piece in just a second here is yeah. confirmation bias. And that is we usually only talk to people who agree with us <laughs> this is, you know, yeah. if you go to a party, 
and you have a group of people over here who agree with you and a group of people over here who don't. Let's say they're called Democrats and Republicans. Uh, <laughs> depending on what you are, which, where are you going to go? You want to get into an argument, you're going to go over to the Republicans. You know, right. if you want to talk right. about what you believe in, then you're going to probably be over here with the Democrats. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, so but that's how – and it's amazing how intuitively we find those people. Yes, and and I think it, it's it's not just even the words; it's the it's the experience of the uh, of the conversation. And yes. you know, I, I remember doing an exercise once at a a, um, a course I was on that was related to Buddhism, and it was the idea of listen, but you couldn't nod, you you couldn't say anything; you just had to allow the person to speak, and that was really quite challenging because we're so conditioned also to nod to give the indication as if we're listening and sometimes you mean the not. fact that i'm nodding like i'm in the back of a car yeah going, me you know? too exactly <laughs> the little dog the water dog well, exactly <laughs> <laughs> i learned that a long time ago <laughs> get my mouth quiet <laughs> just uh, keep nodding ahead <laughs> uh if when we're listening to people though we give weight to absolutely everything that they're saying we actually will lose the gist of what they are trying to say. Because we have a tendency to say the same thing often in the same way, repeatedly in a lecture format or, or whatever. So everything that people say is not important. There's a message that's important. Right. The, the culmination of the words are not important. Uh, yes, definitely. That can just exhaust us. You know. Definitely. So, you know, uh, and what can happen is also, too, is jumping ahead, either finishing someone's sentence or, or figuring out, I already know what he's going to say anyways. And then you totally miss when the guy takes a left turn and you've already taken the right turn. So on that note, I have to make a turn because we have to go to commercial here. So you are listening to Things Worth Considering, and we will be right back in about two minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Imagine a place where ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non-judgmental, dynamic educational environment. We believe learning is much more than just theories. It is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself. Our physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual selves are embraced and nurtured, learning how to create an internal balance. This is Transformational Arts College of Spiritual and Holistic Training. Since 1988, we continue our mission of spiritually focused education for all who seek. We offer integrative personal development and professional training in spiritual psychotherapy, holistic health care, spiritual director, coaching, and esoteric studies. We are located in Lawrence Park in Toronto on Young Street, north of Lawrence Avenue. It's easy to get to and harder to leave. Visit our website at transformationalarts.com or inquire at TAC at transformationalarts.com or call us toll free at 1-888-TAC-SELF. Transformational Arts, bringing body, mind, and spirit together. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Vidal and Alexia Georgiusis. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca. That's info 
at spiritgrows.ca. Now back to Things Worth Considering. Hi, welcome back. I'm Gordon Dell, and I'm here with Alexia Georgiousis. Uh, just a reminder that our phones are open, and uh, you are welcome to give us a call toll-free, 888-346-9141. So when we went to break, we decided to keep talking. <laughs> and uh, certainly what we were talking about is a bit of a gender uh, difference, and that is that uh, often men say something once and stop. That's it. They don't need to explain themselves. They don't want to explain themselves. Women have a tendency to want to say the same thing about four times. I always say once from the north, once from the south, once from the east, and again from the west, just to make sure that you heard what they just said. <laughs> well, That's my experience. It might sound okay. like, you know, sort of an angry man. <laughs> I think it's a bias. I think it's a bias. It's a bias. Because yeah, I, yeah. I do think not all women, though. No. Definitely not. And not all men. Like, you know, there's a, I think that again, it also is related to some women have more, I think there's a masculine energy and vice versa around oh, yeah. the energy that it's coming from. But, but it, this aspect of, of words is, is interesting to me. And I think that sometimes the sense of needing to be repeated is, is really a, a call for, Hey, I don't feel as if you've heard what I've said. Right. Or I don't feel as if you're listening. So I think that that's maybe where it, it comes from. Yeah, and that's absolutely true. And that's exactly the way, way yeah. I think is, is felt uh, more, more often than not. Whereas the male, which is probably where you said were arrogant, uh, <laughs> you did. You said that. that. It was off air, but I heard it. And I'll bet you Andrew heard it too. Uh, it was, was uh, the, the fact of, uh, you should have been listening. I don't need to repeat myself. And I think that's really yeah. Yeah, really and, and, and that's exactly the, the feeling of it, is that, well, why do I need to repeat myself? That exactly. Means, if you're and listening, then now it's very punitive. Yeah. It's a sense of, oh, you, you know, it's your fault. It's not yes. sort of a sense of, wow, maybe I didn't say the right words, or maybe I caught this person off guard, or whatever it is. It, it's a blame, uh, a sense of blame. Right, right. So there absolutely is gender differences. Uh, they're, they're generalized. There's no doubt about it. They're absolutely generalized. Uh, but, you know, women do, do – uh, women are much more likely to want to communicate than men are. But I'm going to save that for my men's uh, – everything you want to know about men because that's yes. in two weeks from now, actually. I know. I can't wait because I get to interview you. I'm so excited. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be fun. Uh, yeah, it will be. And my, my expertise in men is because I am one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what? So really? that I thought that would give me a good expertise, you know. Uh, I think great. You know, now you're talking about something that's interesting. It's called the, the vividness effect. And the vividness effect is when we get into like really grandiose language. And all of us right now, I don't care what country you're living in, all of us are subjected to Trump, Mr. Trump, the president of the United States, uh, soon to be the former president, I hope. Uh, <laughs> I shouldn't be interfering. I don't live in, in there. So, uh, however, Canada hears well, as much about it. Right? It's the collective. Huh? It, it, ultimately, it's collective. It's eclectic. It's yeah. His language is very, very grandiose. Well, see, I don't listen to, to Trump personally, but I feel like people <laughs> that have that uh, verboseness, if that's a word, and this grandiose language, it it's like uh, you know here. It's, it's very, it can be very confusing. I find that in any 
whether it's professionals of any um, profession that can get caught up in their own language and, and just have this speak where it's very confusing for other people. Well, there is. And, and there's, a, there's a saying, you know, bullshit baffles brains. <laughs> I didn't hear that. I've never heard that before. You've never heard that? No, I oh, haven't. Oh, my God. That's an old, old saying. Really? Uh, let me tell you how old it is. Uh, uh, <laughs> is. Is that if you want to confuse people is to use, you know, use your profession's language. And, and you know, MDs have been, you know, uh, uh, condemned for this for years of talking over top of the head of of their their patients by using tons of words that they're not going to understand and so they're intimidated they're not going to question the doctor and the same yes. thing happens you know I think yeah. that you know it's our responsibility as professionals in anything to be able to speak at a normal you know level that most people can understand and then. You know, but if you're throwing in big words, it really you, one is the people listening totally lose. You know, sort of the 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 uh, uh, the whole thing of what is it that you're trying to say? You know, what's yeah. the message? You know, yeah. that you're speaking. Well, assuming and, you and have one. Right, right. Assuming you have <laughs> one, and really good, really good um, example in terms of the you know with conventional uh, medicine that the words of nosocomial infection, you know, or or um, you know, uh, iatrogenic and people don't know these words. This is no. not language we float around. So nosocomial coronavirus, everybody yeah, thought well, it was a beer. <laughs> <laughs> You've been in Mexico. You know what a Corona is. <laughs> right. Right. Knowing, knowing what these acronyms stand for, but nosocomial in, in, infection is typically, it's something that's related to the hospital because nosocomia is basically the word for hospital in Greek, actually the language of Greek, but, mm. but it's not, a, it's not something if people knew that that's what it meant, you think we would, you know, sort of be a little bit more curious. But but in any profession, I've met, you know, academics, engineers, doesn't matter, but, you know, hikers that start to use language that is something that I've not been familiar with. And you're right, it ends up being quite destabilizing, especially if it's a sense of perceived authority. But it also is, is there's a sense of how do I ask a question or how do I how do I let myself say, hey, I, I have no idea what you're saying? I usually say, I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, I, I don't understand that language. Right, that right. My web, my web guy all the time, I'll email him and I'll say, hey, Corey, I have no idea what this means. So, you know, just take care of it for me. Right, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah uh, uh, technology is another one. You know, people who are in technology use language that the rest of us don't understand. You know, and most people end up being in a place of they, like almost, almost condemned to a silence, you know, yeah. they're, because they're intimidated language. Yes. It can intimidate us. So Definitely. I think that it can be very intentional as to, uh, uh, you know, how we can shut people up. Is it using, using words that are too big? Yeah. You know? yeah. I mean, occasionally I would joke and say, you know, do you have a dictionary with you? <laughs> <laughs> no. Now, I can use all the big words, but I don't. I don't because I've been teaching for too long. If I speak over the heads of my students or over the head of a client, then nothing has been accomplished. No. You know, the no. idea, you know, of a communicator is, is that you reach at someone's level and you bring them up through their own learning. But, you know, I can't expect to talk to someone at, you know, all these years of work that I do. And, and that they're suddenly going to going to pop up. They're not. 
They're going to go, actually, they're going to probably have sort of a self-esteem trauma injury or something. Well, and and good for you, because the thing is, it does become, there's no need. Is it, What is the need? How is it good for everyone? It might be good for the ego self to say, That's oh, it. look at how, you know, how, how uh, you know, well I can speak this particular language with words that aren't, aren't common. But it doesn't actually serve in terms of allowing this inclusivity with whoever you're speaking with. Absolutely. Right. Uh, well, it's not only inclusive, but I, I think you hit it, you know, nail on the head was it's an ego play. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, you know, I'll intimidate you and you will hold me in highest regard and put me up on a higher pedestal than I already am in my own mind. Uh, it's a right. long way to fall off that pedestal. <laughs> so it really is. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, when people also present in a very affected way, you know, using accents or whatever. So if you think of a Shakespearean professor teaching in Shakespeare, and so he decides he's going to lecture now in Elizabethan, not our now Elizabeth, right. but Elizabethan language, you know, in all the, you know, the words and the syntax and everything, people would just be like, what the hell? They'd just be so turned off and tuned out, you know. One, oh, one can in, infuse accents or whatever for you know for dramatic effect, but being dramatic all the time turns more people off that no one's even going to hear what your message is. Well, and and it's such a good point because you're right. There's a difference about just being dramatic and you know what is the intention and is the message lost? I mean, gr- for me, growing up uh, in Greek Orthodox, uh, in terms of religion as a child that the, the language that was used was often older Greek. So it was very difficult to, I mean, I, I wasn't, I didn't, I'm still not fluent by any means in Greek, but it, it really does shift it. So even the use of Latin, I mean, we, we know all of these languages when, when we don't understand it, it's not something that makes us feel ease. And I think that is also very disruptive for the nervous system, which, you know, just perpetuates this whole cycle of feeling disconnected and feeling separate, and then again, bang, the physiology steps in with the amygdala of the fight, flight, or freeze mode. Yep. So then it's like, oh, I don't know what to do, you know, or I'm going to take off, or I'm going to argue with this person. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Okay. Now, don't, I just to make sure that we don't take away from languages, one of the best ways to keep our, our mind really, really active, well into senior, senior years, is to learn languages. I believe that. And also yeah. dancing. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Doing math. I mean, all of those yeah. things, you know, uh, yeah, math is kind of, yeah, I thought I laughed at that one. Uh, well, <laughs> I, I do wonder, I'm, I'm a little challenged with the math thing, the thinking mind. The Sudoku? Like, yeah. This, well, for me, I don't, yeah, I have no interest whatsoever, but I, but I feel as if it just is addictive. The thinking mind is you know, such a, a powerful part of being a human being that we get so caught up and addicted with more thinking that we keep reaching for more stimulation. And I think that clouds our ability to be wise and our ability to be insightful. I think it focuses again that emphasis on facts and data as yeah. being what makes us okay in the world instead of, wait a minute, I've got all this information, but I, I can't embody it. You know, Write I can't a book. live it. <laughs> <laughs> There's the mail for you. Write a book. 
the team. I'll tell you what to do. Uh, we'll fix this situation. Yeah, no, is, but it's yeah, true. It's true. A good example. Thank you for that. <laughs> but you see, I couldn't imagine not continuing to learn and read and and bring in more, you know, stuff that's being researched and, and everything and and spirituality and psychotherapy and all of those fields because those are areas that I'm yeah. absolutely fascinated by because yes. those are the things that point out what makes a human being tick. Well, yes and no, right? I think that it, it does there because, you know, absolutely it depends on what your interest is. But again, I feel like there's a fine line. Okay, so I'm not going to be wise. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to be facts and okay. data. Okay, done, done. <laughs> that was easy. You be wise. I'll be facts and data. I'll try. I'll try. Okay. <laughs> What's your first name? Facts. What's your last name? Data. <laughs> All right. I can get over the border that way. <laughs> because it won't matter what the facts or data are, apparently. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and maybe I'm overemphasizing wisdom. Who knows, right? No, I don't think you are. I don't think you are. I think that, you know, uh, wisdom comes from, from the combination of two things. One is uh, uh, our knowledge base when it's experienced, you know, when we've lived, you know, we have a lived experience, then we have a place that we can call, uh, uh, uh wisdom. You know, most people don't want to hear our wisdom. No, no. You know? Well, I think it's very, I think it's very, uh, personal. It's very private. And I, for me, the wisdom is the relationship to the earth, the relationship to life, the yes. relationship to nature as part of nature rather than spewing, you know, trying to spew. It's like, no, it's a very, very intimate relationship. I oh, think. it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I guess I'm thinking in terms of being an instructor, a teacher, you know, of right. having, having a certain amount of wisdom, but I mean, who am I to talk? I mean, you know, my mother said, don't touch that. It's hot. I would have to go over there, put my hand on it and burn and go, ow. And she'd be, I told you, you know, it's like, there are those that will learn from other people's being told, you know, from other people's experience. And there are those that absolutely have to go through the same experience with probably the same results and go, yeah, you're right. <laughs> well, I think that's part of being human is that there's a sense of, you know, we want to have this freedom and we want to have our own experience. And instead of being like sheep, that someone just says, do this. And I think this has also been a struggle for people around COVID-19, right? In lots of yep. places. But it's, it's, the, it's that balance between being responsible and being, you know, your own wisdom, your own sense of, yes, if I'm sick, stay home, wash my hands with soap, all of these things. But, but having that balance around how much of my own experience, because then I trust it. And I think it, it goes into, oh, now I can trust the, these words because I've been around people I'm sure you have where you hear the words but you don't trust it oh absolutely you yeah. know it's like oh they're saying those words but mm, nope <laughs> nope, well, nope nope you know I'm aware of uh, one is I you know wearing masks when I'm indoors right. um, and and I believe Anthony Fauci today said about you know, get outdoors as much as possible because the possibility of it being transmitted is substantially less outdoors. You've got the wind, especially when you're dealing with aerosol, you know, uh, spray, right. that it just dissipates. It's gone very fast. So 
I don't wear it on the street. As soon as I'm out, we're well, not as soon as, but within a, f- yeah. a, you know, a few feet, I will then take it off. Don't do it outside the door. Uh, uh, and people are looking at me like, oh, he's not wearing a mask. And I'm looking at them going, are they crazy? They're like, you know, they, it's just like stuck to their face, you know, and it's hot outside. And But there's no, they're keeping that mask on. Yeah, they were very specific about it being indoors. Right. And it, and it, and it, we need to be, we need that exposure of other. And when we're outside, you know, yes. we, our immune systems have to have some exposure. I think that, that one of the uh, things about the Spanish flu was that the homes that had the, had open windows, they had a much better rate of survival than homes that had their windows closed. Were you, if you were listening to the news that came up today. Did it? Yes, it did. It did that no, I don't uh, because it was like get outside and and open your windows. Yeah, is sort of the advice today. Uh, Great, Fantastic. because they they've discovered that in fact some of the the ratio of deaths now uh, are are paralleling what happened in nineteen uh, seventeen eighteen. Uh huh. You know, very interesting. Uh, yeah, like they're way way up there. Uh, the U.S. is averaging a thousand a day. It hit well, today. Again- 1,500 people died. Yeah, but again, Gord, we don't have, in my opinion, valid statistics to accurately compare. And I think that part of it, again, goes back to what we Dead people are dead people. That's a good comparison. I get it. But we don't look at what was going on with their immunity, where were they located, how old were they, all of these other factors. But See, data, data, facts, facts. (laughs) Now who's talking? (laughs) Gotcha. Okay, let's take a break here. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Okay, Uh, we have to take a break, and we will be right back on the other side of these commercials. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Imagine a place where ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non-judgmental, dynamic educational environment. We believe learning is much more than just theories. It is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself. Our physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual selves are embraced and nurtured, learning how to create an internal balance. This is Transformational Arts College of Spiritual and Holistic Training. Since 1988, we continue our mission of spiritually focused education for all who seek. We offer integrative personal development and professional training in spiritual psychotherapy, holistic health care, spiritual director, coaching, and esoteric studies. We are located in Lawrence Park in Toronto on Young Street, north of Lawrence Avenue. It's easy to get to and harder to leave. Visit our website at transformationalarts.com or inquire at TAC at transformationalarts.com or call us toll free at 1-888-TAC-SELF. Transformational Arts, bringing body, mind, and spirit together. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Riddell and Alexia Georgiusis. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca. That's info at spiritgrows.ca. Now back to Things Worth Considering. 
Hi, welcome back. Uh, just to remind you, you can give us a call. We would love to hear from you at 888-346-9141. And as you just heard, uh, can also be reached uh, at info at spiritgrows.ca. More likely to pick that up after the show. And uh, we're always available to take your call. Um, so we were after I we were talking about data and facts about uh, comparing <laughs> uh, pandemics. Uh, like we sound like we're such experts at it, right? I know. Um, is body language? Mm. You know, uh, that is a huge part of communicating. Uh, you know, uh, not only on the part of the person speaking, but on the part of the listener as well, you know. So very often I notice someone's talking away at somebody and the person's body is pointing in the opposite direction almost. Right. And they're talking away and they're like, we should go and have coffee. We should, you know. Meanwhile, their their feet are pointed full, totally away. They're slightly turned. You know, they're, you know, giving lip service. In other words, sort of responding, but not, not really. They're not engaged. Let's put right. it that way. Right. You know, and, and yet often the speaker doesn't read that. Yeah, I think they don't read it necessarily. Yeah, absolutely. I think they're not paying attention to it. And, it, and no. it's a very mixed message. And it's mix, a mixed message on the speaker's part, as well as, you know, what the listener is or what the receiver is picking up on. And, and you know, that, that is, again, it's, it's not something I think we're often conscious of if we're just sort of running through or passing by somebody. But it right. is a very interesting aspect of, especially if people are in, in a rush, it, I think that it's a sense of, you know, moving forward. You're not in the present moment. You're, you know, you're already ahead. Uh, well, yeah, that's, that's that whole thing of responding, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Either predicting the future of what they think I'm going to say, uh, you know, uh, accents play a big role. You know, culture, we, have, we can't, uh, uh, you know, leave culture out of this. I think our culture really defines a lot of what is acceptable for us to listen to and not acceptable, our religion. All of those, you know, play, play a big role. I, I have a, a good friend who is a, pro, a professor at the University of Alabama. Hmm. And he's got a bare southern accent. I have a good and, friend in Alabama. Oh, yeah? Really. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, so David says... Why don't you come on down? We're going to go up into the into the mountains because he's got a place up in the Smoky Mountains, and we're going to go there. But I got to fly in first of all to the university, and uh, he said then then we're going to go up to to. No, I'm not going to use the accent and and, and so on. It's, uh, but it it sounded like we're going to go up to Nashville, and I'm like Nashville. I love I love music. You know, I really. Okay. He said I didn't say Nashville. I said Asheville. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but he had to say it really slowly because he was speaking so fast. Yes, and it yes. was very funny. It was it's, yeah. it was very funny, and it's just you know I was like, oh my god, this this is going to be a great trip, yeah. and then I'm like Asheville. Yeah, we, <laughs> that's and it, we do we notice we notice the accent or something else instead of again listening to the message. I right. remember knowing someone who had this Scottish accent that was quite strong. And I, it was terrible. It was so rude. I would listen and I'd want to laugh. I'd want to laugh because I just... <laughs> What's wrong with the brogue? Yeah, it was cute. It was a cute accent, but I was like, I can't, how do I just listen instead of focusing on the sound of the accent? It was very musical, right? So uh, that, fortunately, that, she was very patient. Are, 
the R, you know, it just rolls off the tongue. That's yeah. good. Gorge. It has to go all the way through. Well, yeah, when you got a family who came from there. That's right. <laughs> you grew up listening to it. Uh, but it can engage us, but it can also turn us off. Right. Uh, you know, so when I first talked about, like, the idea of the brain sorting through, it, it not only – what it's really sorting through is what our biases already are. And so, you know, that's a classic of you go and look at something, and I'm looking at something. It could be, say, that's let's say it's a near miss of a puppy dog, okay? So you, because you're so into cars, you see the car and the mess up, and I'm so into puppies, and I'm like, oh, my God, that dog was almost hit. And yet we both saw the same thing, but our biases define what our story is from that experience. That's a great example. Great you know, example. So – and the other one would be passing a story, that story around a circle and people whisper it, you know, even 20 people just whisper it, whisper it, whisper it. And then the last person is, and you can't repeat it. Mm-hmm. What did you, you know, no, 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 whatever, you know, let the brain fill in. Okay. And then all of a sudden you're like, that story is nothing like where it started out from. Right. Right. Because it's yeah. constantly, constantly being being uh, changed, you know. I mean, that brings up the whole thing too of how, uh, as we're aging, our brain actually uh, fills in for us. Yes, and, and I, it is. It's fascinating. I, I'm I'm curious about this because going back to you know the story being repeated, yes. that again, and the brain filling the gaps, and I think that that is also really fascinating around how our perception and our memories start to, you know, the brain doesn't know what's real and what isn't, but the memories come forward and then they get, they get slotted in. So very often we see things based on the filter of a memory, but we don't realize it. But, well, we, but the thing is that, that the, the memory, and this is a problem with witnesses in, in uh, legal cases, uh, if we have seen something that is outside of our norm that might be really repugnant or horrifying, we will actually, over time, we will modify the memory that will fit what's called our schema, which, mm. are, de- which are our deepest held beliefs. So we're constantly reinterpreting what went on in our earlier stories. Right. So the narrative actually keeps changing, which becomes then a problem for the legal uh, profession to get a clean, clear description of what happened five years right. ago, eight years ago. Right. Makes sense. It makes sense. Or, or they'll say, well, this isn't what, that's not the statement you gave to us back, you know, in, you know, 1990. Well, 1990, come on, you know, you've changed that so many times, you know, it's barely recognizable. You know, but the brain is interesting. It's called perceptual restoration, and sometimes it's very funny. Now, this is this is uh, uh, Matthew Leonard at the University of California in San Francisco, and David Popple at the New York University um, has done this. And so, I mean, they they were you know working with the idea that this happens, and I certainly know it happens with people aging. Uh, that the brain actually fills in. It fills in for our sight when we have. Or it fills in for blind spots, but it fills in for our auditory as well our hearing uh so you know it could be actually very funny when so, so is, someone thinks like, they what they said right is this different from selective hearing well selective hearing is just because <laughs> just because you're talking doesn't mean i want to listen right there's it's like oh uh, i just start talking again 
All right. So that's selective hearing. All right. No, this is where I think I, 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 for some reason, there was suddenly a noise outside. There was, or my hearing, you're just far enough out of, out of range for it to be perfect. And so I'm not really hearing hundred percent. And so my brain is trying to fill in, mm. but it has no context often, you know? Right. So right. it can be, you know, it can be hysterical. It can, it can be. I've had very humorous moments with my father who has is hearing impaired and elderly. And <laughs> also he's Greek. So, you know, little things will come up where he thinks he's heard something and you could ask him about, you know, you could say, dad, you know, what do you, what did you think of this? And he's like, oh yeah, yeah, the olives are, are good. Yeah, the olives are good. So all of a sudden, it's like, where did you get the olives from? Like, where exactly. did that? Where did that come from? You know, it's. But anyway, it's. It is quite. But it is exactly what it is, and you're like, yeah. what? Where did that come from? Yeah. And it's actually the brain fills in. So right. it's funny, but at the other hand, people who earn a living, listening, professional listeners, judges. Yeah. Oh yes, of course. Transcriptionists, you know, translator, transcriptionists. Right. Uh, psychotherapists, therapists, naturopathic you know, doctors. Yes, anyone who is actually counseling or taking in stories, uh, witnessing stories, is what happens when we start to fill in the blank. You know, mm-hmm. now they do have court reporters, and mm-hmm. and you know that still everything is done. But in psychotherapy, that's not done. In your profession, it's not done. A naturopathic doctor is not sitting there recording. We, well, we don't record. No, we don't record. But, but, but in terms of something like homeopathic case taking, the idea is that you use the client's words verbatim. Okay. So, you know, but it's not. Provided you heard them verbatim. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It depends on how. What about those right? olives? Right. <laughs> My poor dad. He, he listens sometimes, but yeah, he loves olives. I do too. But anyway. Okay. But um, what I'm saying is, though, that where you think you're taking it in, yeah, you may not be, and it might shift slightly, or or whatever. Uh, but it is something to consider that as our hearing changes, we either have to put in something, you know, like compensate for it with a hearing hearing device, uh, or pull away from doing that kind of work. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. uh, because it really, I think it could really pose a huge problem. Oh, absolutely. Huge risk. And definitely. And I think that, you know, there's lots of tools that are available, but I'm curious, Gord, I also want you to to, uh, talk a little bit about holding space with listening. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's, um, you know, holding space is a a really important concept because it ties into the whole thing of of just listening, comprehensive, appreciative, uh, listening, empathic listening. And that is to listen. Uh, it's also often referred to as deep listening. Mm. Uh, a lot of people are just, I just am deep listening. And deep listening is, is to hold space. And that is to bring someone in and all of your focus is there. That's how we communicate is to, to put our focus onto somebody, see what they're, see what they're t- saying without judgment. Right. Total suspension of our own disbelief, of our own biases, and to simply witness someone's story. Now, I happen to believe uh, uh, professionally and personally that it, it's in the witnessing of our story that we heal. 
Mm-hmm. Forget all of the modalities and the tricks and the trades, you know, with drugs, whatever. It's it's when someone hears us and we know that they hear us in a way that we don't feel judged, we don't feel shamed, we don't ex- re-experience wounding or shaming in the telling of that story. It's a very special gift to be able to do that, you know, and it takes a lot of risk on the part of somebody to do it. But most of us have never told our story all the way through without somebody saying, just a minute, I, I'm sorry, you said about, uh, and they start to question us. Yeah, and that's you know? very, very powerful. You're, you're right. There's an interruption. There's an interruption. There's an absolute, there's an interruption. There's a natural curiosity or, you know, there's a discrepancy or, you know, whatever. But it's not that, you know, someone was lying or anything. It's just that the person is listening so critically that they would hear anything like that. Whereas to hold space is to have that empathic experience of just being there. And as they, you know, share their story and their emotiveness, so we would also be able to, to understand the emotion that's involved as well. Yeah, I agree 100%. One of the um, a mind-body uh, instructor that I studied with, he would often, you know, really remind us, the students that were in the class, that that you know, if somebody's crying, then don't go and reach for the Kleenex box. Oh my God, no! Don't allow them to be because that interruption, and it's shown that the interruptions destabilize and they they change the brain focus. So the person yep. who's who's sharing suddenly something's shifted. But yeah, like oh my God, I'm crying. I didn't realize I was crying. Exactly. Or but or I'm sorry. I'm so upset. I shouldn't shouldn't be crying. I'm right sorry. Now. I should. Yeah, I know. You I know shouldn't that, be doing that here. Right. Right. We so, become apologetic or we're shocked, we're shamed, we're a guy, we're shamed that we might be crying or yeah. showing tears uh, at someone's story or whatever. Uh, yeah, let people just be, you know, and, and uh, we're all big. We can get our way through it. And yeah. I think it's a practice. I think it's such a great topic to really, you know, remind ourselves listening is a huge part of being able to connect to people. And to oh, each other and is. the planet. It's you know, listening to I mean, the way that you do it to be a better listener is just like look the person in the eye, pay close attention to them. You know, don't make judgments and just be there to hear it. So, you know what? I'm I'm going to uh, pull, uh, uh, tell my own uh, workshop next uh, next uh, sorry next uh, Wednesday uh, is uh, I'm not even sure what date that is uh, the nineteenth. Is yep. uh, the nineteenth? Yep, uh, seven yep. o'clock. I'm going to be doing a three-hour mini workshop via Zoom, unfortunately, uh, and uh, everything more you want to know, including body language. Uh, I'm going I'm to be you. talking about, and you'll be able to take part with me in a live and interactive uh, call. Uh, uh, the uh, school uh, you could uh, transformational arts, of course, or uh, send me a message at info at uh, spiritgrows.ca. That's the easiest one. Info at spiritgrows.ca, and we'll get people to take care of you. In the meantime, we're out of time. As I rattle off, remember our Compassion Circle on, on Friday nights. It's live to air, and uh, uh, you can get that off of the website at transformationalarts.com. Next week is going to be Maria Galli and talking about karma and relationships. Fantastic. She's great. She is. She's great. So uh, that's it for tonight. You have a great week. Thank you for being here. Thank you for tuning into Things Worth Considering. Please join your hosts, Alexia Georgiousis and Gord Riddell, for another edition next Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, 
Think about the connections in your life and how they define who you are. 